Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, it's Easter. So I thought, as before I get into the Hebrews passage, I would read to you what the Apostle Paul wrote concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he gives us the gospel. Listen here what he says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand by which you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the Twelve, and that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. That, my friends, is the gospel of Jesus Christ the reality of his resurrection and the eyewitnesses who saw him, giving us the hope that we have of forgiveness and eternal life. Now, why did I share that with you? Well, what we're going to talk today is about the reality of Easter. Because for a lot of us, Easter is simply... Well, here's my first point, because I'm going to look at some problems we have with Easter. Here's the problem. First of all, Easter is simply a celebration to many. Some of you today are going to go home and... uh, You're going to have eggs, hard-boiled eggs that the kids have painted up for you, and you're going to enjoy those. You're going to enjoy ham and all the fixings and trimmings that go with that, and and you can't help but enjoy those chocolate Easter bunnies, right? In fact, some of you are going to Walmart tomorrow to get them at half price, or you'll wait until they're like maybe a third of the price. But that's what we kind of think of Easter about. Because, yeah, we, were, we recognize that Jesus rose from the dead. But really, let's be honest with you, and this is true for myself, the significance of it gets lost. And for many of us, it is simply just a celebration. And in fact, here's what happens. Here's my second point. It does not affect our everyday lives. Because today's Easter, today, as far as affecting our everyday lives, it might affect tomorrow if there's leftovers. But tomorrow, it's Monday. It's back to work, back to the nitty-gritty, I mean, back to whatever you're doing. And we'll have Easter next year. And this is the problem that I, that I find for many of us, because, because what we do is we compartmentalize our Christianity and we compartmentalize Jesus to where the reality of the salvation that he's given us, that's for later on. That's for when I die. That's for when I know that I'm going to be with him in heaven. That's for when I know that I'm forgiven of my sins. 
but it really doesn't have any impact for our everyday lives. That's what we assume. Because when you go over to the book of Hebrews, to the 12th chapter, the writer of Hebrews is giving us an encouragement concerning our lives right now. Concerning how you live your life right now. Concerning how you go about your everyday life and the impact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Easter, should have on you every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the writer of Hebrews is going to talk to us about how Easter should be affecting you every day. It's not just the ham. It goes beyond just the celebration and just the concept of, I'm okay for later on. The reality of Easter should affect you every day in your life. And we're going to see how that is. So I want you to notice with me, we're just going to look at the first four verses. These verses grabbed my attention here about a week before, two, two weeks ago. And it was like, okay, Lord, I think you want me to speak on this concerning the reality of Easter and how, it, how we can experience Easter in our lives. So let's, let's look, first of all, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin." Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these four verses, and basically we're going to divide them into two sections. We're going to look, first of all, at verse 1, and we're going to see what the race is. Now, the race is something that, if you're a believer here today, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, all of us are engaged in the race. So we're going to talk about what the race is, and then we're going to look at the encouragement he gives us, and we're going to see that in verses 2 through 4. So let's talk, first of all, about the race. In verse 1, the writer of Hebrews just comes right out and he says, after going through a whole list in chapter 11 of Christians who were before us and their lives that they lived and so forth, he comes right out and he tells us about this race. So here's what he's going to tell us. First of all, he's going to tell us, first of all, that others have completed the race. Now why do I need to know that? Well, first of all, the race that we're talking about is the life that he wants us to live, the life that we live in Jesus Christ. Let me, let's be honest. It's frustrating, isn't it? When you try to live your life for Jesus Christ, it's frustrating. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 7. The good that I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. That's the struggle that we have, isn't it? When we don't want to do what's wrong, guess what we do, folks? What's wrong? When we want to do what's right, we want to do what Jesus wants us to do, what do we do? We don't do that. We do the exact opposite. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If you are breathing here today, you should know what I'm talking about because every one of you here experiences that. Every one of you, when you get up in the morning, you want to do what's right, and you've even, you've even said, today is going to be a new day. I am not going to do this. Then you lay your head on your pillow and you said, I think I've done that several times today. What's the matter with me? 
There's this struggle going on. And so he's talking about he's going to encourage us to do the race, and immediately we're like, well, man, the race ain't going too good for me. Here's what he says. Others have completed the race. Others have completed the race. In fact, look over at at chapter 11. I'm just going to go through some of these others who have completed the race. If you get discouraged about little old you not being able to do what you need to do to carry on the race, I want you to listen to some of these names here as we go through this in chapter 11. And look with me, and, and when you realize these are the others he's talking about, these are the witnesses that he's talking about who have endured. Verse 7, Noah. Noah was considered a faithful man. In fact, the Bible considers him one of three key righteous men. But what do we know about Noah? He had a little bit of a problem. What do you mean a little bit of a problem? He enjoyed his drink. And in fact, later on you see after the flood that Noah gets drunk a lot. Let's go on a little bit. Abraham. What about Abraham? He's a great guy. Yeah, but here's what Abraham's problem was. Whenever he went into a new town... He got a little bit scared of other people. And see, so here's how he treated his wife. He would tell people, oh, this isn't my wife, this is my sister. And then she would end up getting snatched up by a king because she must have been some kind of beauty queen or something. And I'm thinking, boy, if you were his wife, you'd have a knuckle sandwich for him. That was Abraham. Let's go on here. Then we get down to Jacob. Jacob's name means heel grabber. What does that mean? He's a deceiver. He's, a, he's somebody who's going to do it for himself. We go on a little bit. Moses. What do we know about Moses? He murdered somebody. Let's continue on there. As we continue going on, there's David. What do we know about David? We know an awful lot about David, don't we? Was he a perfect man? He goes on and he tells us names such as Lot. He goes on and tells us names such as Samson. What do all of these things tell you? Because we look at these guys now later on and we say, oh man, they were great men of faith. And that's what chapter 11 is trying to tell us, is that these folks were men of faith. But let's be honest with you. They were just like you and I. They had problems. They suffered defeats. And life wasn't perfect for them. But here's what chapter 11 tells us. And here's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. They finished the race, folks. It wasn't perfect. They finished the race. They went on. They endured. In fact, here's what, it's, here's what I want you to see. Here's what he's trying to tell us here. Others have completed it, so what do you and I need to do? Deal with the issues that are hindering you. Look at what verse 1 says. Let us, because of these great witnesses, because we have these witnesses of others who finished the rest, because we can relate to them, he says this, look, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's he talking about here? Deal with the issues that are hindering you in your race for Jesus, in your walk with Christ. Because we're all sat here and said, boy, it's frustrating. We all sat here and we said, yeah, it's a frustrating way to live for Jesus because that which I don't want to do, I do. That which I don't do, I don't do. And we recognize the struggle within us. Now here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Look, just like these other guys, they were able to put it aside and finish the race. You finish the race so you lay aside the junk in your life. You quit making excuses for your life. Here's the thing. Thinking about my life this week. And I've added another degree to my repertoire degrees. And here's my other degree. I am a master excuse maker. 
Now, I didn't, I didn't get that from an accredited college. I got that from my sin nature. And here's what happens, folks. Oh, you know, I want to live for Jesus. Oh, I want to live for you, Jesus. I just want to live for you. But you don't understand. My mama beat me one too many times. This didn't go right in this area of my life. And so we begin to make excuses for, let's say, the pet sins in our lives. The things that he says here in the writer of Hebrews that so easily ensnare us. You know what they are. You don't need to sit there and think about it for a while. You know what the junk is in your life that so easily grab a hold of you? For some of you, it's a beverage. For some of you, it's a mouse. For some of you, it's an attitude. You know what it is that so easily grabs a hold of you in your life. He's saying, look, you run to race others who... Look, think about it. Some of the folks there in that list, I have not done the things that they've done. But they finished it. And he's saying to me, you know what? Look at your life. You quit making the excuses. And you lay aside that junk in your life. You run this race. He's given you a new life. You run it. Deal with the issues that are hindering you. There's no, you, just, you don't need to sit there and say, well, well, I wonder what George is talking about in my life. Well, I don't know what it is, but you sure do. You sure do. And then he goes on and he tells us, look, look at the last part there. Last part of verse 1. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's what he's saying. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, the most wonderful verse of Scripture to me. This is the verse, you may want to write this one down. Psalm 37, I think it's verse 23, 24. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. So, so here you are. You are a believer in Jesus Christ. Your life is ordered by God, and he takes pleasure, and he delights in your life. Now, here's what the greatest encouragement of it. David writes this right after that. He says, Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Now what's he saying there? He's saying that's, that, that guy that God is taking pleasure in, that guy that he's taking has delight in. God looks at him and even though that guy falls, even though that guy stumbles, even though that guy does what he's not supposed to do, God's not going to let him fall on his face forever. He's going to uphold him. Now think about it. I just, just realized this. You think about the guy who wrote it, David. Man, is there ever a guy who messed up? Took another man's wife? Had the other dude killed? But yet later on when you read about him, God would say things like this, that he was a man after mine own heart. Do do, do you understand what I'm saying here? Don't give up! Now don't make excuses. Because here's the excuse. Remember, I'm the master excuse maker. So here's, here's the kind of excuses that flow in my mind. Well, well, David messed up. You're not doing like him, George. So it's okay. Because he still loves you. No, it ain't okay. Deal with it. But you keep running. You keep running. You keep running. Because here's the thing we forget about David. David's heart was broken. Just read Psalm 51 over what he did. For some of us, we're not even broken over what we're doing. So the reality is, is that he's telling us, don't give up. Now, here's the encouragement. You say, okay, George, you're talking about this race. You're talking about others who've run it. You talk about that we're supposed to deal with the junk in our lives, and we're not supposed to give up. Now, I, I, I grasp all of that. That's a, great, that's a great 
thing to stir us, but what in the world does that got to do with Easter? I mean, this is Easter. You're supposed to be talking to us about the resurrection of Jesus. You're supposed to be talking to us about the victory and the hope that we have. But you've been talking about the way I'm living my life. I mean, that's okay, and that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but how does this got anything to do with Easter? Well, let's look at verses 2 through 4. He tells us how we can run this race. Look with me at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Here's what he's saying here. Here's how we connect it to Easter. Number one, the number one point I want you to see there in the encouragement is, is number one, you look to Jesus for your strength. See, how I'm able to, to experience the reality of Easter is, is that Jesus is the one who gives me the ability now to run the race. Why? Because he went to the cross to die for my sins. He's the one who went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sins so that I might have eternal life. So that now that I might have the ability to live the life that he wants me to live. See, how I know that when I fall on my face, and let's be honest, you're going to fall on your face. All right, everybody here, look at the, your neighbor and just kind of politely say to them, you're going to fall on your face this week. You know, here's the thing. You know, we think that's funny, but for some of you, you're going to be offended by that. Some of you will be offended by that because your pride won't let you admit that you're going to fall on your face. But the reality is... When you look at your neighbor, you're going to fall on your faces. You are going to do wrong. In fact, it's not this week. You're going to do it today. Do you understand me? You're going to do it today. And the reason why you can pick yourself up and pull yourself up by the bootstraps and continue to try to move forward, to continue the life, to run the race that Jesus has given you, is because he ran it before you. Because he went to the cross before you. Because he died for you. He gave you the ability now to say no to it. So what are you talking about, George, the ability to say no to it? Well, you know, in Romans, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture here. Romans chapter 6, Paul gives an, an interesting portion of Scripture here. Again, tying this whole aspect of Easter to our everyday lives. In verses 15 through 14, he says this. I want you to listen to it. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who died has been freed from sin. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died for sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that if you should obey it in its lusts, 
And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you, and you are not under the law, but under grace. Now what's he talking about there, George? Here's what's happening. As I'm trying to live that race, here's something that's got to permeate my mind. It's got to permeate my thinking. It's got to permeate my will. And the reality is, is because Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead, the reality of Easter, I can experience that in my everyday life because now sin no longer has dominion over me. What does that mean, George? Sin doesn't control you. He's now given you the ability to say no to it. He's given you the ability to say no to it. Now, some of you are going to say, well, you know, hey, that's nice, but... You don't know what I'm struggling with. And I've tried the no thing, and it ain't working. Here's the thing, folks. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Proverbs says that a righteous man falls and picks himself up, though he falls 70 times. Do you realize that? you just got to keep picking yourself up, and you got to keep saying no. 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 This is the reality. The strength of Jesus, the strength of what Easter has done for me, gives me the ability to live my life every day, to face the junk that I'm facing every day. Now, here's the problem. For most of us, here's the problem. Easter is just simply a holiday. Easter is just simply a time of family celebration. Easter is Cadbury eggs. But that's, that's not Easter. Easter is the freedom Jesus Christ gives you in your everyday life. Now, not just later. Now, to say, I'm not going to let this thing dominate me. I'm not going to let this attitude or addiction or hang up or hurt dominate me. Because He gave me freedom through the cross. He gave me freedom through the empty tomb. And I'm not going to let this dominate me anymore. You know, I'm not just going to wait for later on. I want Jesus now in my life. That's what Easter is. Easter is not just the message of Jesus raising from the dead. Woo! And it is wonderful. But what makes it even more wonderful is that Jesus interacts in our lives right now. Are you aware of that? Right now. In fact, he goes on there. He tells us to look to Jesus for strength. Look at verse 4, because verse 4 is kind of interesting. Verse 4 is what struck me like a two-by-four two weeks ago. Look at what he says there. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. What's he talking about there? I like what the ESV says. The ESV says, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to bloodshed. Here's what he's talking about. Get serious about dealing with your sin. Can I put it in everyday talking, what he's talking about here? He's telling us, verse 1, he's encouraging us because others have run the race and they're just like us. Others have run the race, they have made the race. We look to Jesus for our strength, verse 2 and 3. Here's what he's telling us in verse 4. You haven't gotten tough with yourself about the junk that you're dealing with. That's what he's saying. You haven't gotten tough with yourself, George, about the junk that you're dealing with. Folks, you haven't gotten tough about the junk, the sin in your life that is so easily ensnaring you, that is destroying relationships, that is destroying marriages, that for some of you is physically destroying you. You haven't gotten tough about it. So run the race. Look to Him. 
He's given you the ability to run it. Sin does not have to have dominion over you. Run the race. Get serious about dealing with the stuff in life. Why? Why do I need to get serious, George? Because of Easter. Because it was your sin and my sin that put him on a cross. And see, we forget that, don't we? Do you realize the reason we celebrate Easter is because of you and I? It's not just because of Jesus. It's because of the things that you can't untangle yourself from, that you engage in, that put him on the cross, that he died for you. I mean, it was serious for him. Don't you think we need to get serious about the stuff in our life? I mean, when it comes right down to it, one day we're going to stand before the great king, and this is what some of us like to forget about, is that, yes, there is salvation, but there is still judgment coming. And one day, we have to stand before the great king. And I'm going to tell you right now, my excuse-making is not going to fly with King Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Because we're the ones who pop the top on the can. We're the ones who light up. We're the ones who put another fork into our mouths. We're the ones who treat people like garbage. It's not the coach. It's not the parent. It's us. And see, we can have victory over that. But Easter's got to be something more than just a celebration, folks. It's got to be the reality that Jesus set me free. And I need to let him set me free. You say, okay, George, how do we apply this to our life? Here's a question for you. It's a question that really needs to be pondered for a while, that you need to think about. And so I would suggest you think about this even as you go home today, this week. Has Jesus' death and resurrection impacted your life? Now, the immediate appropriate answer is to say, yes! But I'm going to tell you something. Lip service means nothing. Because the reality of that answer is not just expressed with your lips. Yes, it has. It's expressed in how you live your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's expressed in whether or not you're running the race. So has the reality of Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection, impacted your life? That's something we... I mean, if you say that Jesus is your Savior, if you name Him as your Lord, you say you're a saved person, this is something you've got to ponder. Is it impacting your life every day? So then the next point is, live your life. Live the life He called you to. I mean, He set the race before us. It's time to run it, folks. It's time to run the race. We say the race is tough. Well, then get rid of the junk that's hindering you from running the race. Get rid of the sins that are destroying it. But you've got to make that decision. Nobody else can make that decision for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Run the race. Live the life that he's called you to. So here's the action point. Here's what you can do about it this week. It's time, folks. Get tough with yourself about your sin. Quit making the excuses. It's time to get tough. It's time to do something about it. Don't sit there and ponder it. Oh, you know, it would be so wonderful if I did never have to worry about that again. And it's got to go beyond thinking. It's got to be put into action. And so sometimes you've got to get tough with yourself. 
And see, when you realize that, so when you go through the epistles and you, and you go through the New Testament and you hear Paul talking about that he beats his body into submission, I'm realizing that Paul didn't literally take a whip and whip himself like some people thought throughout church history. What he's talking about there is, is that he got tough with himself about the junk in his life. You and I need to get tough. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.